This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, your host, and I'm here today with Nigel Davidson from Achiever. How are you? Good. Great to be here. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about Achiever and and what you're currently doing. Uh, How does that relate to health and safety? Yep. So um, Achiever empowers training organisations. So um, we do that through immersive technologies or augmented or virtual reality. Okay. And is there many people playing in the space at the moment? Um, not there, there are traditionally a, a lot of um, industry players in the gaming sector, but less so in training and education. We're finding that um, the area is still a little bit nascent. Um, but it's definitely a niche where um, there's a very compelling business case for investment in virtual reality. Okay, so have you got any courses up and running at the moment? Yeah, we do. We have a um, we're focused at the moment on uh, high risk sectors. So we have a um, a crane, a mobile crane training simulator that we've done, um, and we've also done a, a dogging um, training course as well for the high risk work license. Uh, what we find is that um, although we service all education um, and training, that uh, the business case and the return on investment for for high risk areas is um, you know really straightforward and it's easy to demonstrate to organisations. So, looking at say one of those crane courses, what if they were to you know there's a fair few crane RTOs around that are mm-hmm. delivering that kind of training. What kind of investment do they have to make when they go down traditional means? Yeah, so that's exactly uh, the right question. So, when we look at um, making an investment in in VR, it's really important to understand uh, where the value is going to be derived. So it's not about, um, you know, a shiny new thing or an innovative, um, you know, cool piece of technology. It's really more about exploring uh, how we can help organisations make money or save money using the technology. Um, And the cost is one of the attributes that we definitely look for to see whether it's a, a good business case for VR. Um, cost looks at, okay, if I want to um, deliver as an RTO or a training provider um, a, a course on um, crane mobile cranes, um, then I need to buy, a, let's say, a million-dollar crane to be able to deliver that course. Um, or, or the alternative might be that I pay you know, something like six and a half grand a day to rent a crane um, so my students can have access to that crane. And so the cost becomes quite... Um, uh, quite a substantial part of what would be maybe a $2,000 course. Um, So if we can, through virtual reality, provide multiple stations um, which all have replica cranes of the type of crane that they would use out on site uh, in the real world and we're able to give students access to that um, simultaneously, then that's a huge win and a huge cost benefit for for organisations. And then I also imagine there must be a bit of an advantage with people, you know, they're learning. If they make a mistake in a simulator versus make a mistake in a, a real crane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that. going back to your question, that's where we find often there's a, a strong link to health and safety um, is that it's very favourable to 
high-risk industries and high-risk situations. So we're able to do things in virtual reality that would otherwise be unsafe to do in real life. Um, an example might be looking at um, you know emergency response scenarios and and how people react um, under pressure. We can put in hazards in in the virtual world and and watch and and monitor how people react to that as well and, and see how students perform. Um, and so and then the other thing is, of course, is um, you know just the the idea of putting new students or inexperienced students in high risk equipment and have them you know swing around a, a you know, five-ton load around a yard um, for the first time is in itself inherently risky, and so um, we we can significantly reduce risk with um, the right approach and the right application of the technology as well. Okay, that's great. So, tell me a little bit about how you arrived at where you are today, because you know it's it's very innovative what you're doing, and as you say, it's emerging technology. What got you interested in it, and and what was your pathway yep. to come into the world of health and safety? Um, so like you say, my, my background is in health and safety. Um, I probably don't have a good answer for how I jumped into health and safety. I went into um, university straight out of school. Um, wasn't too sure of where I wanted to head, but um, health and safety seemed like a, um, an area that would give you access to multiple industries. And I also had the idea in my mind that I would be able to swap over to, to other courses um, if need be. Yeah. Um, so what, what did you actually study at uni? Um, so I went to the University of Newcastle and did Oc Health and Safety. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So um, what I found though is it actually surprised me a little bit. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting about um, that particular course without having any experience was just how transdisciplinary it was. So, you know, one day we could be you know, doing toxicology and then the next day anatomy and then the following day we'd be sitting in the law um, faculty studying legislation and, and then business and so I actually found that quite quite intriguing and the other allure I, I think for health and safety professionals is just the ability to work across multiple industries. Um, typically most jobs, most professions will have you boxed into to one particular industry and I just liked the freedom that um, health and safety provided that, you know, you could re- literally go into any uh, any other industry at any time and apply and learn about that industry and apply similar uh, methods and, and pick up on, on different things. So um, that's, that's where I um, started. Um, I went over after graduating to the UK. Um, my wife uh, got a scholarship to study over there, so... I thought, oh, that's a great opportunity to, to get out and about and uh, we, we travelled around a little bit and actually picked up my first job in, in health and safety over in the UK. So the, the skills that you learned in Australia were fully transferable? Correct, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I worked for a construction and utilities company straight up, so that was my first entry point into construction um, by a company called Enterprise PLC, which I, I think they were, I think they're now Amy um, over in the UK. Um, and so that was a really good experience. Um, I went into a couple of different roles there. And um, at the end of that, we decided, you know, you know do we go back to, a, to Australia and, and, you know, set up life there? Or my wife is Brazilian and the other option was to actually go to Brazil. Go to Brazil. And um, the adventurer in me um, said, well, let's go to Brazil. So we packed up and uh, went and lived in Brazil for a few years as well. Um, and that was, you know, again, it's one of those experiences that kind of shape shape who you are and 
Um, I did a work, did some work with a with a good friend of mine in the area of health and safety in a consultancy capacity uh, with some of the local construction companies over there. Um, and are there health and safety like how stringent are the health and safety regulations over in Brazil, or is it fairly loose? Um, I would say there's quite a lot of regulation, but enforcement is yeah. is quite lax. So yeah. um, compared to to, to Australia, um, yeah. so yeah, and, and I mean, and what and were you based in Sao Paulo or no? I was in actually the the northeast of the country, a, a city called Recife, um, oh, yeah. and. You could probably say in comparison to the rest of Brazil, to the south of Brazil, it was more underdeveloped. Um, yeah. So there was quite um, different challenges there that you'd face as, as a health and safety um, professional. And um, with It's interesting though, isn't it? Because I guess the companies over there doing health and safety, there would have to be a very strong business case to... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if they're doing it over there, they're obviously either making money or saving money by having someone like yourself go in and, and work that angle. Yeah, and what we found was that um, the the lower-end controls on, on the hierarchy, if you if you like, um, so we really wouldn't have too much sway in terms of engineering methods and, and substituting how they were doing, but a lot of the focus and a lot of the, the wins that we got was really around training and education and, and, and process and, you know, a lot of those, um, the workforce were actually coming in from the rural areas and they lived on site. So um, there's, you know, a lot of different issues and they they weren't literate in a, in a lot of ways. So quite a, quite a few unique challenges that we, we worked through, um, but were able to um, make some good, good inroads there, but definitely a, a great experience. Um, and then, yeah, found, found ourselves back here in Australia, um, probably about, I don't know, 12... 10 to 12 years ago now, 2008 at the start. Okay. Yep. Um, and so what did you do when you came back to Australia? I got straight back into uh, health and safety. I picked up a job um, with, uh, you know, on a construction, on an infrastructure, infrastructure sector, um, working um, with United Group um, and did a little bit uh, with Len Lease and then most recently um, did a stint at Sydney Water as well. So um, that was... Yeah, my time, I, I guess you could say there was always a tendency for me to um, look at training and education as a key focal point um, of health and safety. I believe um, strategies that have a strong pillar on investing in people um, and focusing efforts on people um, is where I like to p- position myself and where I see a lot of opportunity. Um, unfortunately, in a, in a regulated in a regulated Going. Yeah, going. in a regulated industry such as this, um, what we find is that um, the, the compliance culture does tend to rear its ugly head at times and um, as a result, training and ed- education can suffer a little bit. So um, my whole thing ever since I was you know, in my early days in England was really looking at, okay, how can we better engage with our workforce? How can we better um, provide training and learning opportunities so that um, you know, we can get some improved outcomes for, for safety? And I think that's where an area where we can still um, improve and hence why I, I sort of took this road. I, I was at the stage where um, I think – 
probably a couple of years ago now, the technology around um, and the landscape around virtual reality has really become a lot more ubiquitous um, and cheaper. And and traditionally, you would have these big bulky simulators that come out of um, industries such as aviation and, and mining, the, the industries which have a lot of money to spend. And it's only in recent times where we've really seen a change and a reduction in cost and an increase in accessibility around the technology. And that's where the opportunity lies. So, so to give you a bit of a picture today, Nigel's come in, in with a, a small bag, a laptop and a couple of VR headsets and, and pretty much that's all you need to get going. So it's amazing the mobility and the technology where it's at now. And I had a bit of a play today. I was super impressed with um, the demos that you, you showed me and it really does mirror the real world and it gives you ac- accessibility to things that yeah. you wouldn't normally be able to access. So Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think... Um until you actually, what we find when we talk to to clients and um, and people in the industry, until you actually experience VR, it's really hard to to grasp exactly how it can help you. Um, and so we we make sure that we first give if before anything before any discussion we we give people an opportunity to experience what VR is like, um, and then we ha- and then we can have a discussion and start ideating around whether it's 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 good for you, good for your organisation. Have you hit some of your, those old employers up with the with the the concept of VR training? Uh, not as yet. We're kind of focused on um, providing. Um, I guess I guess eventually we will, but at this stage we're looking at building up a bit of a library of content that we can go um, to organisations um, on mass. One of the barriers um, that we find a lot of people have is just. Uh, I guess a, a preconceived idea around what VR is. They might have been experienced, um, ha- had experience with a, a, a VR in the past, which wasn't ideal, or it might have made them sick, um, or it might be um, something that was very gimmicky. So, what we want to make sure is that we um, we sit down with with our with our clients and we take them through what is a really good business case for for VR um, and having a couple of products. Um, that we can show and actually demonstrate and and real use cases we find um, has has a much better impact on on um, you know getting organizations organizations signed up yeah I guess that's the thing they've got to be able to visualize what their training course is going to look like and yeah. if you've got a few examples which you have yeah. um, I guess that's the way to start yeah. amazing okay so I'm just going to ask a few more questions now to wrap up um, how old are you now I am uh, 35. Okay, and uh, is this your first startup? So, uh, like in business for yourself? Uh, second startup, um, okay. but it's it's my first where I've finally sort of made the jump and fully committed. Yeah, right. So before you were sort of moonlighting. Correct. A yeah. bit of a side hustle. Yes. Okay. Day. Um On a personal level, what do you do to keep fit? Um, I. Try to get a surf in whenever I can, but that's becoming less frequent. I've got a couple of uh, toddlers under five, so they're keeping me very busy. Um, but yeah, I love I love getting in the water um, whenever I can, and maybe going to the gym once or twice a week. Okay, that sounds great. How many hours sleep do you get on average a night? Must uh, be a bit tricky with the, the little ones. <laughs> yeah, although it's been much worse. I think currently I'm probably sitting at about six or seven hours, which is which is good yep. for for me. Okay. Um, do you have any personal goals that you're looking to achieve in the next 12 months? Um, I'd say I, I like having little mini projects to, to, to achieve um, on a personal level. Um, 
non-work related this one is i don't know whether you know the the app it's called duolingo um it's a language learning app i'd really i really enjoy learning languages i've started um a spanish course on that um bit easier than portuguese uh, well, <laughs> I don't know whether it's st- stitching me up because I think I'm speaking Spanish and then I realise no, actually I'm <laughs> speaking Portuguese. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to have a little side project like that. Um, I need to, to get back into it. I've had a bit of a lull, but, um, yeah. Okay. And then um, what business achievement would you like to be most remembered for? Um, I think for me it would be uh, achieving our vision at Achiever. Um our vision is anyone, anytime, anywhere can learn any skill. Um, and if you think about um, learning, education, um, knowledge, um, and all the things that, that you need to do to be able to learn a skill, um, you, ha- you actually have to be educated first. You need to read a document you need to read a textbook um, and then you need to apply that um, that's how we've been doing it for, th- for thousands of years the written document is the arbiter of knowledge and um, that's why I think VR is so significant and will be so significant because what we're actually doing is allowing people um, through this technology to skip that step you no longer have to be um, to go to university you no longer have to be able to read a book and be literate to know how to do something or to learn how to do something and that's because the technology is experiential so when we talk about our vision around anyone learning any skill anywhere um, you know that's looking at maybe in a developing country somewhere a villager can learn how to deliver a baby safely using vr or it could be um, you know someone operating a crane in dubai um, through the power of vr it could be someone in london landing a new data analysis technique using augmented reality and so that's where i think that the, the power is and if we can achieve that um, through through our through our company and through what we do i think that that would be a, a massive a massive achievement um, and that's why our, our name is achiever it's it's broad it's ambitious but um, that's that's the opportunity for us Okay, so if the listeners want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing, Nigel, where can they go to? Yeah, so they can go to our website, which is just achiever.io. Um, and yeah, or so that's con- .io? .io, yep. yeah. Achiever. And Achiever just spelt the normal? Uh, without the E, sorry. Okay. So, so okay, it's A-C-H-I-E-V-R. I'll put that in the show notes so people can access you. Yeah, or okay. contact myself at uh, nigel at Achiever. Dot media. Yeah. Dot media. Okay. Great. Well, thanks very much for coming in today, Nigel, and uh, it was great to hear about your story. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Brennan.